0: Everybody, and welcome to That's Life, the show where we wish we lived in New Jersey just so we could vote for Chris Christie. Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 2 p.m. as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine. Coming to you from the home of the Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side, I am joined by my handy-dandy partner Avrami, and birds. Hey, Avram. How's it going? It's going fine. Avram, I think people need to know, because they will be hearing uh, chirping in the background, what exactly is going on here? We live in um, um, uh, a bird observatory, unfortunately, right now. There are birds trapped in in between our windows, our uh, paned windows on the exterior of the building, and the uh, soundproof windows that we have here in the studio. It's about six inches of space in between both panes of glass. And the birds have found their way in because it is cold outside and warmer in between the glass, but yet cannot make their way out. And um, there's bird fighting. There's bird fighting. There are territorial issues. There's uh, Right now they're calm, actually. But when they start flutting around in there, it's a little bit disconcerting. So um, if you find me uh, shrieking at any given moment, it's not just... One of those shows where there are things uh, crawling around on the floor. <laughs> no, that was, that was a long time ago. But no, we actually have um, pets today. We have birds hanging out in between the windows. And um, I'm looking at one now. Who's hanging out? Just being quiet over there. We wish they would leave. We weren't looking for pets. But here they are. Anyway.
1: It's cold outside.
0: It is cold outside. And so we should let them stay. Is that what your point is?
1: No, we can understand why they're there.
0: Yes, I agree with you. We understand why we're there, but nevertheless, they are overstaying their welcome. If you are a new listener to the show or you are a bird, thank you for taking a break from your time, from your day to tune in. And if you are a returning listener, thanks, as always, for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, do what Michael Benedict does. Visit me on my blog, it's life.com. You can friend me on Facebook or send me an invite on LinkedIn. That's how I got a wonderful message from Michael, which I really appreciated. You can also shoot me an email, Miriam at com, or alternatively, Miriam at com. I will not respond to you during the show. That is the rule here, but I will make sure to get back to you afterwards. Let's go to our favorite segment. What does the fortune cookie say? By the way, I need to shout out. Thank you to Stephen Wallach for bringing uh, home enough fortune cookies to last me a good month here at That's Life. Of course, thanks to the Long Island Railroad and the subways getting here. I crushed most of them, but there are some sole survivors. So uh, we're going to open this one up. It is complete inside its package, which makes it valid. And here we go. Happiness is not pleasure. It's victory. All right. A little lackluster. Not, not feeling it so much. I tell you, I think that uh, Confucius is getting lazy. You don't agree with me?
1: Well, I don't know. I thought it was okay. You think yeah. it
0: was okay? We have, we've had better ones. Anyway, let's take care of some business. Here are today's national holidays. It is Festival of Sleep Day. Nice.
1: I'll be observing that for a few hours later today on the way home. I
0: was about to say, Evrami has a late day here at the studio, but he has Big Downer with him, which is, of course, the name of his coat.
1: And my pillow on the bus. And your
0: pillow on the bus. So he will be uh, hibernating on the bus on the way back to Baltimore. It is also Fruitcake Toss Day, which, again, is not a euphemism. It is literally, for those of you who have fruitcakes left over or you have them for any reason besides needing a doorstop, this is your day to toss it out. It is also Humiliation Day, which goes parcel in part with the fact that I walked into a wall this morning and spilled my coffee all over myself and came onto the platform at the Long Island Railroad covered in French vanilla. So um, I've already fulfilled that responsibility. Today also starts women... uh, uh, Sorry, today starts three days of Women Self-Empowerment Days. All right, power to the people. It's diet resolution week, which makes sense because January 1st was this week, but I will tell you as a person who has been on a course of steroids this week, it is not the week to start a diet because I've been eating anything that isn't nailed down. I am completely unable to sleep as a result of the steroid, and I am eating absolutely everything in sight. So I'm thinking I'm going to have to wait till next week.
1: Is it helping your marathon prep?
0: um some my actually steven said to me he goes do you want to just go lift a truck or something i'm like um is it helping my marathon prep no because i can't sleep at night so, so go
1: running instead
0: i know but you know what if it was your wife running at 3 a.m by herself in, in the pitch dark and the cold you probably wouldn't be thrilled either i guess right exactly okay but thanks for looking out for my for my welfare of rum um and then here's the last one it's somebody someday we'll laugh about this week someday we'll laugh about this week well i hope someday we'll laugh about this birds thing because right now it's not so funny anyway crazy follows me everywhere as you know and the other day i went to ska which is the girls halb high school in hewlett to uh participate in career day i appreciate the invitation to be there and the night before i was prepping and as always, my kids are um, the voices of reason and the things that keep me grounded in life. And my my uh, high school age daughter says to me, what are you doing? And I said, oh, actually, I'm prepping for career day. And she said to me, well, what do you have to talk about? And I'm like, actually, I have to talk about myself. And she goes, well, that sounds pretty boring. So there was that one moment of clarity. And then last night, as I was reading the emails from our fearless intern, intern Yael Lassen, who always helps me prep for That's life. Um, For our next segment, I will introduce Dr. Michael Salomon. We will be talking about reigniting the spark of marriage. So meanwhile, I'm going through this email and all of these um, these articles, these links are posting are popping up on my on my computer and about uh, what you can do to to reignite the love in a marriage and how people in their 50s are getting divorced and etc cetera, etc cetera. and my teenage daughter is over my shoulder and she looks at me she goes what are you reading and why and I said No, no no relax <laughs> everything thank god is fine it's for the show tomorrow so it's a perfect opportunity actually for me to introduce my first guest Dr. Michael Solomon, Senior Psychologist and Director of ADC Psychological Services in Hewlett, joins me on the air with what I hope is going to be a fascinating conversation. And I think, Dr. Solomon, you were probably a little bit taken aback when I suggested this. A little. How are you? Good morning. I was about to say, good afternoon. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it very much. And by the way, I appreciate you coming on on such short notice. Um, I only contacted you a couple days ago because I I saw something in the news called the um, the 25 year itch, where people after 25 years of marriage or so are deciding, you know what, I've basically had enough. It's time for a divorce. So I said, this is, you know, this is something that we need to address. This is something we need to talk about. And you were the first person I thought of. So I thank you for joining me. Thank you. So tell me what's going on. Am I hallucinating, or is this becoming a trend?
2: Uh, you know. It's interesting. Every few years, we get these new statistics popping up. So, I don't know, 25 years ago, it was the seven-year itch, and and then it was the 12-year itch, and now it's the 25-year itch. I think think things go in cycles, and I think if you look at the research that's available on these issues, you'll find that uh, people do divorce according to certain time patterns. Um, Usually, it's linked to um, where you are in terms of raising your children, how old your children might be, Um, if you're at a point in your life when uh, you get that uh, midlife crisis kind of thing going on. um, I I don't know that it's necessarily linked to a specific number of years of marriage.
0: Mm -hmm. uh,
2: Not directly, anyway.
0: Are people staying together longer than they might have been because they're staying together for the kids? Uh,
2: It depends on the community, but in general, I would say no. Okay. Um, You know, we have to take a step back. The divorce rate, people talk about the divorce rate as being 50% in the general population and maybe different amounts in other populations. All those numbers are based on, on erroneous uh, ways of uh, computing uh, the statistic. Essentially, what, what, what we're looking at is, uh, when you talk about that 50% rate, is we're talking about everybody who's ever been married and, and the, the, their rate of divorce, which basically means if a person's been married five times, Hmm. They get figured into that 50% also. Okay. If you take that stuff out and you start to parse it down to the actual divorce rate, the divorce rate in the general population is somewhere around 35% or so. Um, In in the firm world, the the divorce rate is somewhere possibly as high as about 30%, depending on on how you figure those statistics. And, really? And, yeah. And, and people aren't talking about it, but uh, that's happening.
0: Wow, things in the Jewish community that people don't talk about? Imagine uh, that.
2: Yeah, can, can you?
0: No, it's such a stretch. <laughs> um, but let me ask you something. Now that that number, I mean, now that we're discussing that number, do you think that more of those numbers are couples that are staying together for 20, 25 years and then deciding to call it a day? Or or this is, a, this is a reflective of a number of, of uh, population that is not waiting that long but is getting divorced earlier? I
2: mean, from, from my own clinical experience and the little research that we've been able to do, what we're finding is that it's people who are usually married less than five or six years who are getting divorced in higher percentages. Um, and it has, seems to have more to do with the fact that they were not compatible to begin with but were sort of coerced right. into a relationship.
0: Right. So I guess that, you know, that is... Um, probably in line with what I would have suspected in the first place. And you and I have talked about and you have written extensively about dating and engagement and, you know, finding the right shit for your kid, et cetera, and and, and what that takes um, and how to be a parent in those kind of situations. But in terms of... You know, looking at the statistic or looking at the groups that are that are hitting the news right now of people who have been married for, you know, double digits, well into what you would consider a a golden anniversary or a big year to celebrate. And at that point are deciding to to split up. Are they were they never compatible and just stayed together? Do you think that they were compatible, have grown apart? I mean, where's where's the movement from?
2: I I can only speak from from what I've seen in my clinical experience, and that has been that I I think there's been a terrible toll that the the financial crisis of the last few years Mm. has has wrought, and that's impacting relationships. Um, And I also think there's another component here, and that has to do more with uh, people developing an insight into um, mental illness. Ah. Um, And some of the people we're seeing are becoming more aware that, Their partners do have a real mental illness, and when they try to to have their partner deal with it, there's a lot of denial and anger and fighting, and uh, unfortunately, um, that might be part of the reason that some divorces happen.
0: Interesting. I guess also with the increasing diagnostics and diagnoses that we get as as, as, uh, researchers like yourself continue to do research, we learn more. About different illnesses that are out there and aren't able to either pinpoint or label or name certain things that you might have been s- seeing in your spouse for years. And then that becomes a bigger issue, whereas it's no longer just a quirk, now it's a diagnosis. Right.
2: That's true. That's true. Um, and, and with this new, I mean, I'm going off on this tangent here, but this new DSM uh, categorization of. of mental disorders that's supposed to come out very shortly. There's a whole change in how we diagnose personality disorders, mm. and whether or not certain types of autistic disorders are even considered disorders. Uh, lots of things going on, people reading a lot about it. People stop me in the street now, want to know my, my feeling about these new diagnoses and really? whether or not they themselves have the diagnosis.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, that's got to be, that's, I mean, that is incredibly scary is to read something so all of a sudden, research comes out. You read something, and you're like, "Shoot, that's me!" Yeah, <laughs>
2: right? That's the medical students' disorder.
0: Right, exactly. That you know, that's that's always the big joke because that medical sc- students in their early years of, or their first year of medical school, all of a sudden read things. like, "Oh my gosh, I have that." That's correct. I have that. <laughs> I, have that. I have that. Right. That always that always makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, because that's not me. But anyway, <laughs> um, so what are we what are we looking at in terms of in terms of I would say some of the the patients or the clients that come to see you, are they looking to rekindle? Are they looking to re-spark their marriages? Or are they looking for an opportunity to say, we are giving this, um, the, the college try that we're supposed to because that's what you're supposed to do, but we really think we're done?
2: I think most are very earnest in their attempts to try and figure out what happened and try and repair the damage. Mm. Um, and that's why they, they come. I think there are a few who are just going through the motions because they feel they have to be able to say they gave it the old college try and right. therefore it didn't work and therefore even the shrink said it's a good idea to get <laughs> divorced. You know, I get blamed for a lot of divorces. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I think most do want to try and find a way to fix it. Um, it it's, you know People talk about how easy it is to get divorced and that's why there's so many divorces. That's, that's really only a very, very small percentage though.
0: Of people who are getting divorced just because,
2: right. just because it's easy. Truth is, it's not that easy. I
0: was um, about to say. I mean, I can't imagine few things more difficult than extricating yourself from a spouse and and basically splitting your life that you had been leading. Right. So I, you know, I I, I question somebody who who looks at divorce as, as something that's easy. Though I will reference a uh, a billboard that I saw last week looking for a quickie divorce. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, that's uh, By the way, that's also probably part of it, this marketing of opportunities to get quickie or fast divorces, as if anything that is that serious should be that simple. You know,
2: my, my experience has been that divorces can take anywhere from three to five years. It's not so quick, even in the, the most uh, flexible situations where, where people are willing to get divorced and they're not really contesting it. Mm it's very rare that you'll get a divorce happen within uh, 12 months. It usually takes, like I said, three to five years.
0: Wow. That is is a long time. Even if you've been married 25 years and then decide to get divorced, three to five years to get divorced is still a very long time. We are talking to Dr. Michael Salomon. He is Senior Psychologist and Director of ADC Psychological Services in Hewlett, New York. So Dr. Salomon, when a couple comes to you and they're looking to rekindle their marriage, let's give us, let's give out a couple of, number one, number two, number three suggestions that you give those couples?
2: Well, first thing is you've got to learn to talk again. Most most married people who've been married for more than just a couple of years have forgotten how to communicate. Mm. Everything seems to be operating by rote. Um, and, and, you know, if you remember the early years of your relationship, you always wanted to talk about how your day went and, and what new and exciting things happened and what jerk said what to whom at right. work and, and how funny it was that uh, somebody took your pen and then they realized they took your pen from <laughs> your desk and all those silly little things that really are the core of what makes a good relationship. Right. Um, You've got to rekindle that aspect of, of the, the relationship if you want a relationship to work. You've got to bring that back and you have to have people be willing and able to, to talk about the silly little things every single day. There's no excuse not to, and it's very important to speak about those things. So that's number one. Number two is, I tell this to people all the time, you have to go on a date once a week.
0: See, that's- and it, I want you to know, not to interrupt, but I want you to know that something that I am crazy about with my husband is date night. And we are, you know, it, it has become more complicated, honestly, in the last number of months, but we have, we were forever mock-pid or or serious about date night where it was once a week or once every couple of weeks we went out and it was no phones no this no that and we would look at our kids with complete confidence and with no guilt and look at each look at them and say it's date night and we would leave the house and that was our time
2: and that's exactly what keeps a marriage it's one of the three things that keeps a marriage strong Date night. Date night. And I, I tell people it doesn't have to be a formal date. You don't have to go to some expensive rent- restaurant, go for a walk. <laughs> mm. Go out go for a slice of pizza. Um, don't go to the movies because then you're not talking. Um, right. Don't, don't go to friends' houses because I want you to talk to each other. You can do those things on other nights. But date night is just for the two of you to be able to go for a walk, spend some time together to talk. Right. Um, and number three, number three is a big one. Um, Intimacy, and I'm not necessarily talking about that dreaded S-E-X word. I'm talking about the ability to, to get beyond um, the superficial. Try, try to find a way to open up, not just physically and not just verbally, but to just feel the other person's feelings. It takes a little bit of effort if you never really had it, but if you had it initially, right. it's not that difficult to rekindle.
0: And what's the first step in that? I mean, it is difficult to walk in somebody else's shoes. It's difficult to feel somebody else's frustration. I mean, I I joke with people that you validate, 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 whether it's with your kids, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's with your friends. If somebody's feeling something, they don't want you to poo-poo their feelings. They want you to validate their feelings.
2: Well, that's it. Can you read your partner's feelings? That's the key question. And if you can't, then you have to ask them what they're feeling and, and try to get them to teach you how they're actually feeling. And that's part of intimacy. That's the Mm. part that I'm talking about. It's your responsibility as a member of this partnership, as a member of the team, to really get the feelings out. Uh, It's not a one-sided type of factor. Uh, Both people have to work on this, and both people have to be willing to communicate it. So that intimacy really is important. Right. How do you keep the
0: kids um, out of or... Um I don't even know if the right the, I don't even know if that's the right term, but how do you keep the kids to the side a little bit so that you can rekindle your marriage and, without alarming the kids?
2: Um, I don't think you necessarily have to keep them out. I okay. think you have to acknowledge that having children around is stressful. <laughs> um, you know they, they used to talk about it in the literature the u-shaped uh, curve of marital satisfaction. Okay. Uh, when you get married, uh, your satisfaction with one another is so tremendously high and then the kids come along and the stress of having children brings that level of satisfaction down. Um, and as the kids get older and they move out, the level of satisfaction starts to recover. So you get that U-shaped type of curve. Whether or not that's actually the case in all relationships is debatable, but it's true that just having children around can be very stressful right. and, and you, you have to accept that, that that's part of life. And if you do... Then we could deal with it. Mm. Then we just understand, and that's part of the give and take of living with someone and having children with them. And we don't have to shunt the kids aside. We just have to understand that it's part of it. Just like there's stress at work, just like there's uh, you know there's stress crossing a street if you're crossing a street in Manhattan um, and the cars are honking at you. It's part of life. You just have to accept that it's real.
0: Right. What about taking a vacation? What about getting away? Is that a band aid? Or, you know, people who think, uh, you know what, my husband and I are having are are having issues. I think it's time that we go on a vacation by, themsel- by ourselves. Uh, unless somebody had mentioned that to me as a concern that she was having and that she was planning a vacation. And I said to her, unless you guys are going to actually repair and work on things, then you might as well stay home.
2: Yeah, I, generally it's even better if you stay home, if you have to repair something. Really? Because, yeah, because being in the environment that you have to fix is, is more likely to, to contribute to to repair uh, being away is is a false environment um and and you don't always bring home uh what you're able to do away from home
0: interesting i would never have thought about that but i, I guess it makes perfect sense what also um something else i was wondering if it contributes to um maybe couples breaking up later than we would expect them or later in life is that each co- each member of the that couple, whether it's the husband or the wife, potentially could take uh, career changes or different paths in terms of their professional life, or make certain decisions that they change that change them as a person. And I guess if you have a spouse that does not have that ability to grow with you, or does not um, support that growth, then that just is going to obviously cause some kind of major divide.
2: Um, that's. It can cause a divide. I'm not sure I would call it a major divide. Okay. Um, people can accept the fact that they're growing one way and their spouse is growing in other ways as long as they allow themselves to see that, that there is growth and they're, they're not too critical about it. If, if, if you have a spouse that's always critical and, and telling you that what you're doing is just not good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, uh, then, then the real issue is that maybe you're just not compatible or with, your, or with somebody who might actually be abusing you emotionally. Mm. Um, so, you know, sometimes you need a professional to point out some of these things, but most of the time, if if you're feeling that your partner is, is being, uh, is judging you and giving you a grade on a test, then there's a problem here. Right. Um, so, I'm not, you can't expect two people who, who are committed to each other to grow equally. It's just not a reality. But you can expect that they'll grow in their own separate ways and they respect each other for that.
0: That is an incredibly important point. And I think that, you know, it's funny that you just mentioned it that way, because I had commented at the beginning of the show that I uh, was part of career day at SKA the other day. And one thing I mentioned to the girls when I was speaking to them and telling them about my job, et cetera, and the opportunities that I have is that they should make sure that when they are dating and when they are engaged or when they're getting to know their potential spouse, that that person is going to be somebody who supports them, and can help can foster their growth for the rest of their lives not somebody who has an expectation of them and does not think that that, that who they are at 19 20 23 24 is going to who be who they are when they're
2: 67 absolutely correct
0: i think that's a big problem the younger that the younger that couples get engaged or get married and and see themselves see each other for who they are at that moment without having a realistic expectation of who they are going to be in 30 years is just, I mean, it's fantasy land.
2: It is. It is. And, and people are always changing and uh, changing in ways that are expected and unexpected. And, and that's, again, part of life. And, and a good spouse will not only understand that, but will welcome it. Right.
0: I actually also pulled off the Internet um, a, a, a top 10 list, top 10 things you can do to spice up your old married life. And one thing, I know you're probably cringing at the, at the title, but one thing it says is since you know each other well, do the things for each other that you know are special. If he loves the Giants, spring for tickets and go to a game together. Eat a bad hot dog and an $8 beer. Get him the Milky Way Midnight Bars just for no reason. How important are those spontaneous things?
2: Actually, they're, they're pretty much in line with my, my talking about the, the topic number three, which is intimacy. If you know a person well enough to know what they really like and you're giving it to them, then you're being intimate with them. So some of that is, is actually good suggestion. Right. Um, it's a really a good type of insight.
0: I think that intimate, when you said intimate, it probably made a lot of people nervous. But there are, uh, obviously, as you were explaining, it's, it's a knowing a person from the inside out.
2: Correct. I, I mean the actual translation of the word intimate, not, not the way it's been uh, used necessarily in the English language uh, in terms of just sex. Right. Uh, intimacy is knowing the person that you're with and allowing them to know you.
0: That is, um, that's, huh. it's, uh, it goes both ways. It's something, it's something to also pick up on, is that not only do you need your spouse, not only should you as a spouse make sure to pick up on those little things, not let dates go by, not let significant things go by, or insignificant things, but also to make sure that you are open enough as a spouse that that person can get to know you as well.
2: Right. It, you know, I, I always tell people, marriage is a partnership. Think about a job. Or, or or a, a company, uh, you have a partner here. you have to learn to work with your partner, and that requires you to understand how they operate and do so in a reasonably non-judgmental fashion. You've got to be willing to work with them. Hmm. If you're not willing to work with them, then we're not going to get anywhere
0: yeah i would uh, I would imagine that that is you know probably the truest sta- truest statement that you that you could make. Tell me something, what is probably the youngest or the earliest marriage of a couple that you have seen who have come into your office?
2: Uh, actually, um, not that long ago, um, the boy was 19, the girl was 17. Wow. Yeah. I, I,
0: it is rare that I am speechless on my own show, but that is stunning to me. Well. What are, I mean, okay, um, so many questions, so many comments, so little time, but without being completely judgmental, where are the
2: parents? Um, and you know what in, in certain Hasidic communities okay
0: I guess I was just really judgmental no, wait, wait, right no,
2: now no no just a <laughs> second in certain Hasidic communities that's the norm and, and people have that expectation and, and children are raised to think that that's the time that that's appropriate okay for that and probably is okay but this was not a Hasidic family so you need to make that very clear that we're dealing with people who uh, just for whatever reason had that drive that determination that conviction that they should get married at a, a very young age the girls' parents were not happy with it. Uh, they, they were happy with the boy. At least they thought they were happy with the boy. But they didn't think it was wise for them to get married that young. And, and the kids were under pressure because people told them that it's not healthy if they don't get married sooner and, and well, you know, the whole.
0: I was about right to say, insert all the mishigas here. Right. Right.
2: And uh, unfortunately, um, they are uh, having a very, very difficult time, and I'm not sure that we can repair it.
0: Oh, my word. Oh, my word. You know, it's just it's so tragic. But I know that you speak about this all the time. Your research is extensive right. on on people who never should have been together in the in the first place and on the shit crisis. And by the way, again, as we've talked about on the air, how so many people don't like the term shit crisis. Right. But but it's a
2: reality. Yeah, unfortunately, it is.
0: And then you have a divorce crisis where you have a 17 and a 19 year old husband and wife who are coming to see a psychologist because. They're trying to do what they can for their marriage, or not, or maybe it's the time to say, "Listen, we're young enough; we can rebuild our lives alone. We don't have that much of a bond anyway. It's time to go."
2: That's very possible, and it may very well happen here. I, I, my goal is to try to keep relationships together. Mm. Um, it doesn't always work out that way.
0: Right, right. I, I can only, I can only imagine. It's got to be. There have to be days, Dr. Solomon, that you. Just look at yourself or look at your wife and not only say, obviously, thank God that I am so blessed, but wow, what a mess.
2: <laughs> in fact, yes. <laughs> Sorry to put and, it that know, way, but what to, a mess. I don't even have to say it. She sees it on my face. I,
0: I, 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 Dr. Michael Solomon, Senior Psychologist and Director of ADC Psychological Services in Hewlett, New York. Dr. Solomon, we only have a couple minutes left, but let me ask you something. Is it ever too late?
2: Um, never. Wow. Never. Never, as long as there's life, there's hope, it's never too late.
0: There's, um, there's a, a couple that a friend of mine was telling me about how they were married into their, you know, in 20-some-odd years of marriage, and they were really growing apart. And they made a concerted effort to see a therapist and work to rebuild their marriage. And they are happier now than they were for the first 20-some-odd years.
2: It, it, it's never too late. If the people in the marriage are willing to commit to working at it and they are compatible... We need that. We need that. Right. If you don't have compatibility, really nothing to talk about. But if there is compatibility, then then there's a lot to be saved, a lot to work with, and you can make things happen. You can really make things happen. Well,
0: Dr. Solomon, I appreciate your time. Dr. Solomon can be reached at five one six five nine six zero zero seven three. You can also find them at Psychological Help. That's ADC Psychological Services in Hewlett, New York, 516-596-0073, psychologicalhelp.org. Dr. Solomon, thank you so much.
2: Once again, it's my pleasure to be with you.
0: Yeah. Anytime. It is an open invite here at That's Life for you. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. You're listening to That's Life on the Siegel Network. I am Miriam L. Wallach here on the beautiful Lower East Side, and I am pleased to introduce to our audience... A new member of the network, David Netkin, is our new intern here, and we don't have a fancy or fun nickname for him yet, the same way we call Lass and the fearless intern. But let me tell you something. David has had a trial by fire around here. We had a great day yesterday, so he may be just more fearless than we expect. Hello, David.
3: Hey, how's it going?
0: It's going. By the way, everyone should know that David has had previous uh, broadcasting and radio experience while he was in college. Uh, at Kingsborough Community College, he did a show for them, so he is not – uh, new to the air, so to speak, but it is new to our air. So if you hear his voice on our network, you'll know why he sounds so at ease. So David, how are things going around here? Day two.
3: It's going really well. I had a great day yesterday. <laughs> Loved it.
0: <laughs> yesterday was loco. <laughs> yesterday was pretty crazy. Just a little. Just a little bit. But you know what? It's um, That's sort of what we do around here. That's just sort of the way we roll. And David has also learned a lot about the Lower East Side.
3: Yeah, I've never been here, but I've seen, you know, I'm recognizing the names and we drove around in a four block radius, like 20 minutes, <laughs> for 20 minutes, again and again and again. Right. But, uh, you know, whatever mission we were on, we got to, uh, we accomplished it. We so did. Was good.
0: We accomplished it. And I, I was very upfront with David yesterday that there's no way I would have been able to do half the things I needed to do yesterday had he not been around. David's going to be picking up a lot of responsibilities around here. David, you know, it's, it's pretty unusual for for a from guy to um, to deviate from, let's see, medicine, law, accounting, or whatever it is, and say, shoot, I really want to be in broadcasting.
3: Uh, the truth is, in my program, I have not seen any from people at oh, all. Oh, really? At all. There were a lot of people, just I haven't seen any from people. And when I tell people that I, you know, I was majoring in broadcasting, they always seem very surprised. They think it's very cool, but it's like, you know, they seem very surprised. But um, I've always been, you know, I've always liked the radio. I've always liked people who you know talk on the radio. I think it's interesting that you you know you have a voice that right. people listen to. You have a way of broadcasting yourself, and I think it's always been amazing.
0: What do you listen to when you listen to the radio? Of course, besides Nachum. Of course, I mean that's a given that you listen to Jamie and every single morning. Of course, but besides that,
3: every single morning from six a.m. You to got nine. it till nine.
0: <laughs> you are glued. You listen on your app while you're commuting. All right, we can get past that. But anyway.
3: Uh, just some music, um, some talk radio stations, some political, um, anything, you know, I always flip flip the channels and see what's on.
0: And you're originally from L.A.? I
3: am originally from L.A.
0: Was there broadcasting in your blood in L.A. that got you started there?
3: Uh, there was a talk radio station, 97.1, but it is off the air now. Oh, really? I don't know what happened to it. I actually tried <laughs> to pick it up in New York a few years, like two or two years ago, and it went. It's no longer there. I, there, were, there were
0: two radio stations along. Uh, there were two radio stations in New York that I used to really love. One was 92.3 when I was in high school. That was W D R E. That was not talk radio, but it was like new wave, um, kind of like hip, uh, like whatever music. And I remember coming back from vacation once and it being Latino. So that was like that was like a sharp turn. And I kept on like trying to change it on on the radio. I'm like, oh, maybe I got it wrong. No. It went Latino, so that was ninety two seven, and was one zero two seven. Also, used to be, I'm dating myself. Was W N E W, back in the eighties and the nineties, and is now um, something uh, something else. And one zero one nine, I think, is now W F A N. Like it's all it's all, all over the place. Everybody's moving things around, but radio is exciting.
3: It, it totally is, and like I remember listening to one broadcaster back in L. A. And he's like, um, TV, you you know maybe pre-record everything by radio, it's live, you never know what's gonna happen. It's, you know, on the second, on the minute, and it's just so more exciting.
0: Have you ever had any strange or crazy radio moments besides the fact that we're being um,
3: attacked by birds, birds.
0: yeah. By the way, I, I it was funny that Dr. Solomon didn't comment at one point. Um, do you hear birds? Because we you could hear it through the through uh through the mics, right?
3: Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty loud. I, I heard <laughs> I know, it. I know, it sounds loud. like they're going at it. I don't know what about. I know, I'm but telling something. you, I
0: feel like we're being attacked. Definitely. Um but seriously, have you had any, had any crazy radio moments?
3: No crazy moments as of yet, but I'm hoping to have some. Right. Stick
0: around with me. I'm sure you will. I I I'm sure that when you meet Dr. Scott Goldberg, who's a regular contributor here at that's life with his teachable moments segment. We can relive the moment where there were um, massive roaches around me could attest to that. There were massive. No, no, no. You can don't have to check the floor. We're totally clear. We've been clear for a while. But um I was standing on the chair screaming and we were on the air. And somebody said, and I actually think it was Mayor Furtig when I told him about it afterwards, he said, Did you really start screaming on the air? I'm like, You bet I did. <laughs> <laughs> so he said to me, he told me a great story that there was once a broadcaster in L.A. who during um, an earthquake from underneath his desk took the mic with him and was completely calm and didn't let on the fact that an earthquake earthquake was going. He didn't scream, he didn't shout. He was totally professional. And I said, well, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> if there's something crawling around, what's going on? Like the bird
3: literally just fell from the top of the Yeah, I'm to telling the bottom. you. This is
0: crazy. These birds are crazy. David, tell, me, tell our listeners, by the way, um, what you hope to contribute here, because I have big plans for you. But tell me what you hope to contribute here at the network.
3: Well, I hope you know I would love to you know start my own show that people would really enjoy. I love to you know definitely work on the back end, learn how to program, learn how to produce, just uh, become a big part of the family and really uh, contribute. Uh, you know, take it, the NSN to a whole new you know a whole new arena. level. <laughs>
0: Well, we're, oh, oh, speaking of, (laughs) we're having visitors here. It's not just the birds anymore. Everybody's walking in here. But uh, no, and by the way, I was very excited when you actually sent us that email in the first place and um, put yourself out there. And that's something, going back to my my, uh, appearance at SKA this week, something that I told the students, I'm like, you have to advocate for yourself. You have to make sure to be the person who speaks up and says, I am good at this and i have something to contribute and something that you said yesterday at the end of the day at the end of your first day was so impressive i don't even know if you realize that you said it but you said to me what time do you want to what time do do you want me here in the morning and i said to you what what time do you want to be here and you said whenever you want me to be here i will be here and i was like good for him like you get it and i think that that's great
3: i was actually on a with this past Shabbos. oh really I, yeah um and a guy and one of the teachers that the school i was with um, was giving a speech and he said, you have to go to a job that you want to skip to, literally, and you mm. want to run to every day. And like some people there were like, oh, you know, I don't want to go to this job or, you know, I'm not so happy. And I'm like, I love this job. You know, right. I, I wake up in the morning, you know. He actually gave a statistic that most heart attacks happen between 8 and 9 a.m. on a Monday morning. Are you serious? That's what he said. Wow. So...
0: By the way, if, that, if this morning would have been a Monday morning with me and the coffee and everything else... There's not a doubt in my mind. <laughs> this would have been a totally different story. Um, but you know what? It's funny because I feel the exact same way. Like, I love coming to work. And somebody said to me, they're like, well, how do you get to FMU when you have to get to FMU in the morning? I said, well, I take the train into the city. I take a subway. And then I take the path. And then I get to Jersey City. And she looks at me. She goes, that's crazy. I said, no. I love going to work. Right. It's a it's a really good feeling. So I wanted to welcome you on the air Welcome you to the network. Let everybody know that you are a new voice and a new name that they will hear around and he'll hear on the air. And once we come up with a nickname for you, we will officially refer to you that like that all the time. Can't wait. Yeah. Thank you neither so much. neither can I. You're listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel Network, and that
3: is David. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> You're listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am Miriam L. Wallach and I am joined by my second guest, Micha Milgram is a name you might not have ever heard before, but you will love it to hear his story once we have him on. Micha is running with Cyril Frankenthal. They are a wheelchair combo team that will be running for Team Yachad in uh, in Miami next month. I'm looking forward to seeing them there. Micha, how are you?
4: I'm great. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for being on with us this morning. And actually, for the last couple of weeks, we have been highlighting different members and different aspects of Team Yachad because, as many people know, we are um, going to be there next month. Nahum is doing a number of shows from there. I am running in the half marathon. I have been, uh, I have been um, training and tempting to. I have not even tempting. That's not even the right word. <laughs> Basically, people have been baiting me on the air to try and win the marathon. That seems to be. Uh, that seems to be what's going on here at the network. But. To get to your story, Micha, tell us yeah. how you started. This is not your first time doing this, correct?
4: Uh, it's my first time running the marathon. Uh, doing the marathon.
0: Oh, but I, I, I thought you had done this with Suriel before.
4: No, actually, I wasn't planning on doing it this year. Um, I, I was like, I was like back and forth because like I'm, I've been very involved in Nacha, I've never done the marathon thing. But uh, after I met Surrey he was considering considering doing it, but he kind of like helped push me to do it because he, uh, he wanted to do it, and. Uh, yeah, you know, we need to do it together. So tell me <laughs> so, how. Yeah.
0: So tell me exactly how this works and what a wheelchair combo team is.
4: Uh, well, what it works is we we uh, I guess we train separately and uh, raise money separately. But uh, me and Suri are pairing up at the at the at the race, and and uh, we're gonna do we're gonna go biak hand in hand. Where uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna push Surrey. We haven't figured out exactly, but um, I mean, Siri, uh, uh can uh, it will probably cross the finish line on his own. And start the beginning, the beginning of the race on his own uh, with a little bit of my help, but um, for, the, for the most, and then we're going to do the rest through uh, with the wheelchair.
0: Wow, that's pretty incredible. And Surrey has um, cerebral palsy, which is why he is using the wheelchair for either some or part of the eleven, mi- of the thirteen miles.
4: Right, exactly. So generally, he walks. He, he uses an ambulation aid, uh, and he uses that to to, to help get around. But he, he could generally do that by himself. But uh, during race time, uh, we we're going to want to go a little faster. Got it. Um, how, yeah.
0: how long have you known him?
4: Uh, so I met Surrey this summer on a Birthright Yaha trip to Israel. Uh, Yaha teams up with, with uh, the Birthright organization to give uh, people with disabilities a chance to go to Israel for right. the first time for 10 days. Um, it's run the reg- like a regular uh, Birthright trip. It's just, um, yeah, uh, we, we tour Israel. Uh, up and down, and give uh, people a chance to to see Israel, like uh, as any other as any other peers would.
0: Well, I guess we can talk about that also because now you and I have two things in common. I led my first birthright trip last summer, and oh, great. yeah, and you and I are you know going to be together in um, in Miami, please God, next month. But uh, why do I have a feeling though that your time will still be better, better than mine, despite the fact that you're pushing a wheelchair?
4: <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Be a nice <laughs> reunion. <laughs>
0: I don't know yeah. either. Tell me how your training is going.
4: Uh, training is rough. Uh, it was going really, really well until Hanukkah and jelly donuts rolled around, oh, uh, and and then it got cold. So um, it, it, it I slowly started increasing in like how long I've been running. Uh, so I got to like three miles, uh, and then uh, and then the cold and the cold uh, threw me indoors, and it's a lot harder to run on a treadmill than it is outside. But uh, hopefully, I'm getting back on it and. Uh, either way, I'll be pushing to the finish line.
0: Yeah, I um... both
4: myself and
0: uh... <laughs> yeah, both yourself and sorry. Yeah, last yes. week we actually had on Coach Jazz, and she was giving me serious musser about my training. I had told <laughs> I had told her that I was that I had adjusted my training to only running one long run once a week and yes. not doing any short runs in the middle. And she Uh-oh. And, right exactly. And she gave me a no bueno on the air last week. <laughs> <laughs> and God, told publicly me publicly
1: that's terrible. Yeah, exactly. I
0: totally I totally got my head handed to me and then somebody <laughs> afterwards said, "Ooh, coach Jazz gave you a no bueno on the air." I said, "I know." So um so I'm trying to be better about that, but yeah, only doing 3 yeah. miles at this point with the, with the race at the end of the month, I keep saying it's next month only because I keep forgetting it's already January. Um, yeah. But yeah, we we only have a couple of weeks left. Are you gonna pick up the the training a little bit or?
4: Yeah. So so what I was doing is I was doing that uh, daily. So it wasn't like ah. three mile. Yeah. Okay. Instead of doing like week long things, I was doing uh, continuous runs.
0: Got it. Have you ever run a half at all before?
4: Uh, I haven't done a half. Uh, what I have done, which I kind of like equate it to is I done Yam is when I was in Israel oh, nice. for years. Okay. And so that, that that's that's ten miles in one day. Right. But that's way long that's way like more walking and much easier than than uh than a run.
0: What did you um what was the highlight for you of your of your birthright Yachat experience?
4: Highlight. Oh um it was really it was really quite special. Uh after we went to the well first of all walk uh, going through the old city with Suri was awesome in general. Uh, what happens is, is that, uh, because there's a lot of stairs, we couldn't really, there was a lot of like, uh, like slow moving through the old city and right. we were kind of like a little bit behind the group, but, uh, that was, it was really special, like walking around and, and with him. Right. But the, uh, the, the best part of the, the, the trip was after we, after the, we went to the hotel, we left and we sat outside in the courtyard for a bit with the entire group. And we had like a group discussion about like what our experiences was. Mm. And you know, like each kid in their own each uh, each participant in their own way kind of stood up there, and and spoke about like their relationship to Judaism, and and how they were affected at the hotel. Wow. And you know, like we had an entire span of of kids spanning from uh, uh, ultra orthodox to like not so much affiliated, and each one in their own way kind of up, said uh, explained how they were. Uh, they they felt the uh, they felt really connected to Judaism at that moment.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty incredible it's a cr- pretty incredible feeling to bring people to the hotel for the first time in their lives. I yeah
4: uh, yeah for sure as as a staff member on the trip it was like it was great seeing that like and just and just being able to to experience their first experience was was definitely the highlight.
0: Right. I I I mean I remember posting that on Facebook something to the equivalent of. Bringing 35 Jews to the hotel for the first time in their lives, priceless, and it's it's a moment that I will absolutely never forget. And even though, please God, I look forward to to uh, staffing another trip next summer, I can't imagine that either the feeling is going to be that electrifying or won't be that electrifying. Because again, you are you are watching people's eyes open like they are like they are young children. And just being blown away by the by the aura and um, and and just um yeah, de- magnitude of the co- of the hotel
4: um I mean, yeah, it's it's truly amazing.
0: were there parts of the trip that were particularly difficult or challenging that that Surrey was not able to partake in uh
4: not not that he wasn't able to partake in at all, uh he definitely will tell you about the time uh, about walking through spot. Uh <laughs> he will say that that was extremely rough for him right. but uh, uh we were well staffed and we just took things slow so he was, he was always at least you know was getting involved and being able to do everything
0: what was the ratio by the way from staff to participant
4: so there were i think eight american staff to 24 participants okay and then and then we were we had five Israeli soldiers with us for a bit, mm-hmm. and and then uh, tour guide.
0: Wow. What Ooh, is, three
4: Israeli soldiers, sorry.
0: What, what, is <laughs> your, what are your expectations? I mean, after having an experience like that and sharing that with Suri, which, again, is life-changing, what are your expectations for the end of this month?
4: Um, sorry, I don't really... Meaning
0: the uh, that's fine uh, I'll I'll rephrase it meaning like you yeah. guys have already had a life-changing experience by being in Israel together and sharing that together. Like is this you know finishing a half marathon is a major um accomplishment that many people don't do. So the fact that you're doing it together this yad beyad concept. I mean are are you are you looking forward to this being like another high in your life? Do you think it's going to rival the birthright experience? Uh,
4: yeah, I mean just the fact that we get to continue this relationship is truly amazing. Uh, I mean, like I've I've gotten to know Turi very well now. Uh, I mean, we met on a 10-day trip, but like we, whenever he comes into New York, every now and then, so mm-hmm. I hang out with him then, and uh, and thank God there's like an, and we keep in touch over the phone a lot, um, and just uh, you know being able to continue the relationship is more the experience that I'm looking forward to. How's the,
0: uh, how's the fundraising going?
4: Uh, that's a similar story with the uh, uh, the um, the training, but I, I should be <laughs> I should be okay. <laughs> um, it, it was it was really really fast at the beginning and kind of died down a little bit, but I've been back going back up, so we'll see. If anyone wants to sponsor me, that'd be great. I was
0: I was just about to say, you know, if you're looking for some chizuk, I actually just um, surpassed, I just passed my my uh, fundraising goal yesterday.
1: Hey, um, congratulations! Yeah, thank you.
0: My uh, when I told Ellie Hagler that, his response was, "Well, then it was too low." I'm like, "Thanks a lot, buddy." Um, but for anybody who's looking to sponsor either Suri or Micha, or for some reason or another, you still want to sponsor me, And you can go to TeamYaha.com. You click on the Miami Marathon link, and you sponsor a runner. You can search any one of our names. Micha's last name is spelled Milgram, M-I-L-G-R-A-U-M? Yep. Right, G-R-A-U-M. And you can find him there. Help him out, because I'm already at my top, which is great. I'm not complaining. I thank everyone who participated? Who sponsored me, etc. But you got to help Micha along because if you're not going to pull him down the race because he's only at three miles a day, no, str- no, you know, no pressure. At least you can help him this way. So tell me something. Now that you realize just how boring running on a treadmill is, sorry, Ellie Hagler, because that's all he believes in, and I only believe I only believe in running outside. What are you going to do to pick up the pace for the next couple weeks?
4: Uh, gosh, I guess it's just motivation like that and, and Coach Jazz saying no bueno on the air.
0: <laughs> right. Once you get your head handed to you by Coach Jazz on the air, there's really no going backwards. There's, yeah, right. Yeah. How, are you going to be able to to practice with Surrey beforehand at all or no?
4: So I was a little concerned about uh, that, but we, we, there's no such sort of practice, Practice. so uh, I'm just going to have to uh, do it on the fly.
0: Wow. are do you know other people who are also doing um uh, doing this kind of by yad pushing wheelchair combo team?
4: I don't know them personally, but I've heard that there are other uh, other teams like this. Uh, I'm not so sure who if, if which other ones there are.
0: So you haven't been able to reach out to anybody and say, "Hey, you've done this before. Can you help me out and give me some guidance?"
4: Yeah, no, none of that. I probably should <laughs> <laughs> you're you're a student at YU, correct? I graduated
0: Landers. Oh, you graduated Landers. Okay. So what are yeah. you doing with your uh with your day time now? Now that you're not studying?
4: Uh, gapping, I'm gapping year before heading on to med
0: school. Oh nice. So how are you gonna be able to keep this up once you start your first year of medical school? I can't imagine. Uh, I can't literally- imagine you're gonna stop after this. What did you say? I said I can't imagine you're gonna stop after this.
4: Uh I I do not know how it's gonna work. Uh <laughs> Maybe I'll squeeze out for a Shabbos or two every now and then, right? Uh, to continue doing Yachad, <clears throat> but uh, I'm not sure. We'll see.
0: How long have you been involved with Yachad?
4: So I started uh, my freshman year of college, so like four and a half years.
0: Four and a half years, and you started just by going to, a, by you know, staffing a Shabbaton. Uh,
4: yeah, I started advising Shabbaton, and that's basically most of my involvement. Uh, but then I do Sunday programs. I, I, I do. I did Pesah Yachad. Uh, Pretty much whenever there's a a yaka thing, I hear about it. So I'm free, I go.
0: (laughs) That's great. That's great. Well, kola vote to you. I wish you the best of luck. I hope that your training picks up (laughs) 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 because, as they told me when I first signed up, they said, you know, Miriam, you only have five hours to do the half marathon. I'm like, thanks, guys. You're hysterical. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, they do cap you at some point. But I'm sure, again, that you'll probably be crossing the finish line before I do, even though I've been... um, Dared, I think is the right word, to come in first. But I also look forward to hearing from you again in Miami at the end of the month. I know that you'll be featured on either the Friday morning show or the Sunday morning show, so we'll be able to hear more about your and Suri's experience once the race is over.
4: Yeah, um, ooh, yeah, that's exciting.
0: Yes, it is very exciting. So vote to you. Anybody who wants, again, anybody who wants to sponsor Miha, you can go to teamyaha.com, click on the Miami link. You can sponsor a runner by searching Miha. Milgram, M I M I L G R A U M, and give what you can because uh, Yaha needs your support and Micha's behind the eight ball. Great. <laughs> Just kidding.
4: Thanks so much.
0: Thanks so much for your time, Micha. No M-I-L-G-R-A-U-M. pressure. No pressure. Right, thank you so much. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. You've been listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am Miriam L. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's go through the rest of the lineup for the day so you know what not to miss. Randy Wartelski follows this show with something to talk about afterwards, Rifka Abbey from 4 to 5, and then The Jewish Reaction, the OU's The Jewish Reaction, hosted by Ellie Hagler, following which is The Stunt Show. Now, you know what we say about The Stunt Show, you never know what you're going to get, and actually this week, you get me. (laughs) Yes, Mayor Furtig was supposed to be um, hosting this week, but instead, I will be hosting, and I'll be calling Mayor. He doesn't know that yet, and chances are, he's not going to listen to this show earlier in the day, he usually listens on archive. So surprise, I'll be calling Mayor, and we will be doing a little bit of a tag team uh, from 6 to 7. But please do me a favor. If you speak to Mayor like, between now and then, don't tell him. 7 o'clock, the Thursday night extravaganza. Nahum will be on the air, live from our studios, 8 to 9. Spin class with Michael Fragan. Michael works incredibly hard to get exciting guests, and with everything that's been going on between the fiscal cliff and a whole bunch of other things I don't understand, I would not miss this show for anything, 8 to 9 is Spin Class with Michael Fragan, 9 to 10, Book of Life with Charlie Harari, and we close the day with an hour of Jewish Soul with Charlie Bernhout. Don't forget, JM Sundays full swing. Matas puts on a great show, and then starts your Mondays with Mayer and the Israel Show. If you have not liked their Facebook pages, I please, I plead with you, actually, do so. You can go on Facebook, like all of our pages. It is, um, it is a pleasure to have you be part of everything we do here at the network, including interacting with us both on Facebook and via email. So um, I appreciate in advance if you like all their shows. This show will be rebroadcast Sunday at 1 p.m. I'd like to thank my guests, Dr. Michael Salomon and Micah Milgram and... Our newest member of the network here, David Netkin. If you want to support me, um, if you want to support Micha, by the way, please go to TeamYachad.com. I want to thank everyone who has supported me. I actually have reached and surpassed my fundraising um, goal for Team Yachad. Was thirty six hundred dollars. I'm a couple hundred dollars past that, and we still have weeks to go. Yes, thank you very much. Actually, also thanks to Stephen Wallach, who basically bullied all of his friends to make sure they gave. Also, whatever works, people, whatever works. So, if you're looking to give to Yachad. Please go to TeamYacha.com. I am sure you will know one of the runners on there. You can click the Miami link and please support a great organization. I also want to thank Avrami as always and Ya Alassan, my fearless intern. I leave you today, everybody. I will leave you today. Where's my so- where's my song for today? Uh, what just happened to my song? Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna be just fine. It's that kind of a day. I'm leaving you with Lo Num by Miami Mizrach. You want to know why, Avram? I'll tell you why, because after I spilled coffee all over myself, this was the song that came on my iPad, and it actually made me smile. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys.